Good morning, everyone. How are we doing? Apologies if I sound a bit bunged up. No, it's all good. Aren't you glad that we walk by faith and not by sight? That whatever we feel like, Jesus is always worthy of praise. He is always good. He is always faithful. He's always trustworthy. And I just, I'm so glad, actually, just the direction, the words that were coming, the songs we were singing, again, it just ties in with what I feel God is wanting to bring to us this morning as we look into uh, or continue looking at our three new church values, which, of course, everyone knows now is empowered, engaged, and extravagant. So this week, we're actually moving on to our second value, and that is the value of being fully engaged fully engaged. And as with our first value, being empowered, we're going to look at that, how that impacts our relationship with each other in the church, but also how that impacts our mission and our relationship in the wider world. But today we're going to focus on how this call to be fully engaged impacts our relationship with God. Again, just that sense of What God was bringing to us earlier on, just a few moments ago, hands raised, dropping stuff that we're holding on to, thinking this will keep me going. Actually, all we need is Jesus. He is the perfecter and the author of our faith. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus even now. Fix your eyes on him who endured such opposition that we might not grow weary. Come and do this, Holy Spirit, we ask. As we get into your word, as we look at this value of being fully engaged in the call of God upon our lives, Holy Spirit, continue to stir us up with faith and with zeal. Amen. Amen. God doesn't call us to be spectators. He doesn't call us to operate through somebody else's faith. To say, well, you know God a bit better, I'll just piggyback on your faith. The call to follow Jesus is an individual call to have an individual relationship with our Heavenly Father. Yes, it's in the context of being built into a family. We'll be looking more about that next Sunday. But we are not called to be spectators, to sit on the sidelines and watch as others get engaged and get involved. We, each one of us has been called to be wholehearted, wholehearted, holding nothing back in our worship of God, in His Word, in prayer. As Rob was exhorting us to pray again, pray for the night shelter. Pray as we gather as New Frontiers churches in London. Pray for our nation. We're called to be a people fully engaged with the Holy Spirit. You know, the very fact that we are an empowered people suggests that we also need to be an engaged people. We're empowered for a purpose. So as we get into this key value of being engaged, here's a few definitions that might help us. Obviously, we often use the word engaged in the context of marriage. That you have been betrothed. In other words, you have made a choice to be fully and exclusively committed to another. That is quite a statement, isn't it? 
I'm not going to be looking around, hedging my bets, seeing if there are any better options open. No, no. I am all in. I am engaged. There is no one else. I am fully and exclusively committed to you. It's what engaged means. Other definitions. To be built into. To be attached to. We think mechanically, gears engaging. We can talk about being interlocked, entwined, in sync. You know, we often talk about people being preoccupied. Oh, I'm otherwise engaged. Why? Because my focus is totally taken up by something or someone else. I'm absorbed with, I'm engrossed by, deeply interested in. I'm, I'm otherwise engaged, I'm preoccupied by this thing. It's all-encompassing. Just reflect now on those definitions and reference them to your relationship with God just for a moment. Think about it. We as a church have been called to be the bride of Christ. The bride of Christ. In Revelation 19, we know that there's going to be a wonderful wedding banquet, the wedding feast of the Lamb. But we're the bride of Christ. We're called to be fully and exclusively committed to Jesus. At the expense of anything else, we're his. We are his. On top of that, the Bible tells us that Jesus has built us into himself. I am in Christ. I in him, he in me. What a promise. Totally engaged with. You know, being fully engaged with God means my will is entwined with His. My dreams and my passions are in sync, aligned with His. I'm absorbed with His beauty, in awe of His majesty, interested in His words, attentive to His ways, committed to His will. That's what it means to be engaged. With God. Yet I know often my life does not always reflect that. You know, when I talk about being preoccupied or think about what preoccupies me, often it's my phone. So easy to come to hand, isn't it? So often. I mean, Claire, the number of times, bless her, she says, hello, hello, are you, are you actually engaged with me here? You've been preoccupied again. Your mind's in another place. You know, that's not helpful for any relationship, is it? It's certainly not helpful with our relationship with God. And I'm sure I am not alone in that tendency. So I really want this morning, and it's already set off exactly like this, to be just a simple focus and encouragement to look again at Jesus Look again at his love and his commitment for you. Look again at, at this call to be engaged with him at a heart level, an intimate level. A fully committed, all or nothing level. You know, and it, it's day by day. It's, it's in the quiet of the night. It's also in the busyness and the hecticness of our day. It's whether we feel good about ourselves or that we're feeling a bit rubbish about ourselves. 
We were made to be fully engaged, united, entwined with our Heavenly Father. You know, not dipping in and out when we need Him. You know, God, I could really do with you now. I'll just, I'll just call on your name now. It's not dipping in and out on a Sunday morning. You know, ticket off the list. And it's often said Jesus isn't an addition to your life. It's not like when you come to faith, oh, I've just added Jesus into the mix. You know, I've got my life. Now it's improved with adding Jesus in. No, no, no. The Bible says Jesus is our life. He is our life. In him we live and move and have our being. He's not an additive. He is our life. If you've got your Bibles, do turn to Mark chapter 12. Just going to read a very well-known verse or a couple of verses, actually, 30 to 31. Jesus one day was asked by the Pharisees, uh, what is the greatest commandment? It's a bit of a loaded question. They were always trying to trick him out and test him out. And he says, goes straight back to Deuteronomy 6, actually. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And then he adds this. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. We see this referenced in Matthew and Luke as well. Slightly different variations. And we'll be looking at that second half more, as I said, next week. But how are we to love God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength? How are we to do that? Well, firstly, I believe actually the key is simply to recognize that that is exactly how God loves you, with his all, with his all. God is totally engaged, totally committed to you, totally. And we, of course, see that most clearly in the cross, again, as we've been singing about. You know, we stand in awe at the level of commitment that God showed through Jesus Christ on the cross. For God so loved, was so committed to the world that he sent his one and only son. Jesus was so totally committed to his father's plan of salvation that he was prepared to see it through at such cost. Taking on himself the barrier of our sin. Taking on himself the penalty of death that should have been ours. Never, ever doubt God's commitment to you. I don't know where you're at this morning. Maybe you're feeling pretty good. Or maybe actually you're feeling pretty neglected. If, if you hear nothing else this morning, please hear this. God will never leave you, and he will never forsake you, because Jesus was forsaken in your place. When Jesus took on our sin, God couldn't look on him. He was forsaken, so we do not need to be. That's beautiful, isn't it? Never doubt God's commitment to you. And because Jesus conquered death and rose again, so we can know this new life, this new hope, this new relationship, 
And it's not on the basis, we say this time and time again, but we're so tempted to step into works-based salvation. That is not the gospel. It is not based on what you have or haven't done. It is not based on how you feel. It's based on who Jesus is and what he has done solely, completely. And God says to us the same words he spoke through Moses over Israel. Again, back in Deuteronomy, this time 31. Listen, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. God is totally committed to you. He is fully engaged in every detail of your life. You know, that was David's testimony. I love reading what Psalm 139. It starts off by saying, you've searched me, Lord. You know me. You know me better than anyone else. God knows you better than anyone else. Knows you better than you know yourself. You know when I sit, when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from apart. You know what's going on in here, God. You know what's going on in here. You know when I sit, when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. God is not distant. He is not detached. He's fully engaged. And I just really want to stress this point because we need to get it in our hearts, believe it in our hearts. You know, maybe you had a parent who was distant and was detached, who was more interested in work and other things that were apparently more important than you. That is not your heavenly father. He may be the creator and sustainer of all things, but he has all the time in the world for you. Just receive that afresh. Receive that afresh. David goes on in Psalm 139 to say, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. That's commitment, isn't it? That's engagement. You know, as David contemplates God's wholehearted love and commitment for him, he himself is totally absorbed with God's goodness and his grace. It's like God completely fills his frame, his field of view. Such knowledge, he says in verse 6, is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. It's just in awe of it. Verse 17, how precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast the sum of them. He's totally absorbed with the grace and goodness of God. Understanding how much God is for us and is committed to us produces in us wholehearted devotion for him. We love because he first loved us. This is where it starts. Just as David was caught up in in worship as he reflected on God's love and attentiveness, so we too will find those things that distract us, be it the phone, be it work, be it the pressures of life, anxieties and stresses, be it material stuff that we're chasing after, 
All that pales into insignificance, pales into the background as Jesus fills our field of view, as his incredible love and mercy fills our field of view. When was the last time you just spent, I'm just going to focus on God's incredible love for me. I'm just going to meditate on that. Jesus, fill my field of view. What you'll find is all the stuff and as Michaela said, all the stuff we're clinging on to that we think will help us get through life, actually we can drop and our arms just raise in worship to him. <laughs> Jesus, I'm totally engaged with you because you're totally engaged with me. In fact, this is where Hebrews 13 goes. It uses actually, it references the same Deuteronomy 31 verse. You know, never will I leave you or forsake you. It says this, keep your lives free from the love of money. And be content with what you have. In other words, stop trying to fill your life with things that promise satisfaction and fulfillment, but never do. Why? Because God says, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Verse 6, so we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I don't need to be afraid. I don't need to be afraid. God is totally for me. In other words, dwelling on God's commitment and faithfulness to us will help us to stop being distracted and chasing after stuff that never fulfills. It will help us to stop worrying about provision for tomorrow because we know, you know, as, as, as David said, if I make my bed in the depths, if I go to the other side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. You will show me what to do in this situation. Even there, your, your right hand will uphold me. I know your strength will be there for me. I know your provision will be there for me. God is for you. He doesn't just dip in and out of your life. He is your strength. He is your shield. He is your provider. He is your protector. I'm stressing this, all right? I want us to get this. <laughs> I will therefore not be afraid. I don't need to be distracted. Amen? So as we look to Jesus, God's love gets right into our hearts. It impacts us at heart level. Proverbs 4.23 says, It's out of our hearts that springs of life flow. In other words, out of our hearts that knows it's loved, that knows it's cared for, out of that heart, worship and prayer and praise and adoration flood out. Yes? So when we talk about being fully engaged with God, when we look at this vision right from the outset, I just want us to, to understand it doesn't start with us going, right, knuckle down, must try harder, must be more dedicated, must make sure that I tick off all the do's and... Don't tick off any don'ts and just, just make sure that uh, all of that's... Actually, it's quite the opposite. It starts by encountering God's love afresh for you. Maybe even for the first time. Because that changes everything. It awakes us out of complacency. It, it, it stops us from seeking comfort in other places. It stops us just dipping a toe in this relationship when we need to, or on a Sunday, as I said, living for ourselves the rest of the week. It stops us doing that because when you love somebody and when you know and you can feel their love, you want to spend all the time in the world with them. It's got to come back to this core 
desire and understanding of God's love for you. So, God's love and wholehearted commitment to us is what enables us to love him, heart, soul, mind, and strength. You know, heart, soul, and mind, it's just another way of describing our inner selves. What makes you, you? Your emotions, those character traits, those passions, those dreams. It's kind of you behind, under the surface. The inner you. All that comes into play with this call to be wholehearted and fully engaged in our love and worship of God. It's a question, isn't it? What do your greatest passions say about you? Do they reflect love for God? Do they reflect how He made you to be? We talk about in Living Free, God's original design for you. God made you beautiful and unique. Are you reflecting who God made you to be? Because that brings him glory. That is an act of worship. What about your thought life? Do your thoughts reflect worship and trust in God? You know, that's a challenge, isn't it? Because it's very easy on, on a, in a context like this morning to be able to worship with, with conviction and with faith. It's one thing to do it here with a group of people and a band and just wonderful words of truth to sing. What about tonight? Maybe you wake up at three in the morning. What fills your mind? You know, as you think about all the things you've got to do, bills to pay, maybe some anxiety tries to, you know, start to creep in. What about on Monday morning? If you head into work, you go into college... You go about your day, difficult conversations to be had, targets to meet. You know, maybe the kids have got tummy bugs again. Oh, great, now I've got to sort out childcare. How present is God to you in those moments? What about in the evenings? You get home, tired, haven't got much left, TV remote's just there, you're on your own maybe. How do your choices reflect wholehearted worship to God. Because you know what? This, this call to be fully engaged, to be wholeheartedly in love and in worship with God is set in the context of everyday life. Not just on a Sunday morning. It's wonderful. We gather to God. This is why we gather. It's why the Bible says don't neglect meeting together because we need to. And it honors God as we gather to Him, to worship Him. But of course, as we often say, worship is, is an everyday thing. It's our very lives. This is where the battle lies, isn't it? How do I worship God with my talents? How do I worship God with the way I speak to others? How do I worship God in the way I spend my time and my money? How do I worship God in the way I, I re respond to challenges in my life? Is it someone secure in the knowledge that God will never leave me or forsake me. A confidence and a gratitude that displays itself in love and adoration, heart, mind, and soul. Or is it somebody who maybe is not so sure? Somebody who has his eye on other priorities, other concerns, other passions. 
I would say I am probably the most distracted person I know. It's probably the reason why I still need preaching notes, because otherwise I would go off on a tangent. I would talk about my holidays. You get into a conversation with me, I'll, I'll talk about how computers both saved and killed music production. If you're really interested, I could talk to you about that. I could talk about why, what color I'm going to paint my front door, if Claire agrees. It's Farrer and Ball Pigeon, by the way, if you're interested. But my mind just buzzes all over the place. It's just a thousand different directions. I know there's other people who are the same. Some people call it uh, creative mindset. My wife calls it annoying. But I know there's a battle here. There's a battle trying to distract us from fully engaging in the call of God on our lives, to live lives of devotion and worship to Him. And you know what? That is our highest calling, folks. Above everything else, worship of God is our highest calling and privilege. It trumps everything. And we need to be fully aware of this battle. If you notice, Jesus also calls us to love God with all our strength. Some translations say with our might kind of suggests There's effort involved here. There is effort as we partner with the Holy Spirit. There's a fight on to remain, to be determined to remain focused, steadfast, not distracted and complacent and lukewarm. Praise God for the Holy Spirit. Praise God that we have the Spirit of God in us to help us to love God, to help us to worship Him, even in those difficult times situations of everyday life, to fight distractions. You know, in our comfortable culture and lifestyle, we are so distracted. I've, I've mentioned Francis Chan before, I don't know if it's, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, but he's written, he's written several books, but he's written a book called uh, Letters to the Churches, which, uh, or Letters to the Church, I think it is, just so challenging. But in it, he was describing how he was talking to a church leader in the Philippines, uh, this guy, I think it's a church of about 30,000, huge church. But they would send their missionaries to the States to get trained, go to theological college before they would be sent out to unreached people groups and to the nations. But what he found was when he sent out these once passionate, risk-taking, sold-out-for-God young people, once they got into the States and discovered the comforts of life, discovered just distractions, got a taste for the, for the life over there. He said so many of them never returned. So many, huge numbers would perhaps take up nice, more comfortable positions in pastorates in small towns in the States. So what they do now is they don't send them to the States. They train them in the Philippines because <laughs> there's less distraction there. And then they send them out to the nations and unreached people groups. But we all have that tendency, don't we? For the things of this world to distract us, for our eyes to be taken off our first love, that primary calling on our lives, this wholehearted devotion. It's interesting, those who were here last Sunday, we had this uh, prophetic word of God wanting to awaken us Arise and shine, for your light has come. You know, Isaiah 52 says, Awake, awake, Zion. Clothe yourself with strength. 
Again, it's that put on some strength here. Shake yourself. As I said, we're an empowered people, but we're also called to be an engaged people, to get engaged in the battle that is around us, engaged with what the Holy Spirit is doing, letting go, throwing off stuff that hinders. Just pictures, I was preparing this, just got this picture of, of somebody just shaking off slumber, breathing in the fresh air, wind of the Spirit. Taking up arms, taking up the truth, the sword of the Spirit, who we are in Christ, and taking the battle to the enemy. I believe God is wanting to shake us as the UK at the moment, to recognize our power and authority in Christ. I really believe it. You know, because when God's love and commitment truly impacts us, yes, it produces worship and adoration in us. But you know what? That worship then becomes our battle cry. That worship is then taken out into the streets because we're not prepared to sit around and see the nations not glorify God. We're not prepared to look around at the brokenness and say, this is okay. This is why it empowers our prayer life as well. Because we're not prepared to remain disengaged because this worship for God always produces prayer for the nations. It always produces a deep heart and hunger for the things that God wants to see. It produces a desire to see his name made known and him to be glorified. On my to-do list, I've got read Pete Gregg's Dirty Glory book again. We've, We've commented on it again in the past, but it's a real encouragement and inspiration to pray. Because God has called each one of us to engage in prayer, to engage in his work. As I said, not sit on the sidelines and watch others do it. You know, there may be seasons where we need to be carried, but we're all still in the game. There may be seasons where we need to be supported from time to time, but we're all in the game. Swiss theologian Karl Barth said this, we participate We could say we are engaged in the reign of Christ through prayer. This is how we engage in the reign of Christ. We do it through prayer. In him, we then find ourselves at the very seat of his government. Isn't that amazing? What a privilege. He calls us and says, I want you in my government. I want you to have authority here. I want you to make a difference. I want you to get engaged. You know, we need to keep front and center who we are in Christ. That actually, in the spiritual realms, we are seated in heavenly places right now. If you are in Christ, you are seated in heavenly places. You're not clamoring for God's attention. You're part of his government. And the Bible says, what you bind in heaven will be bound on earth. What you loose in heaven will be loosed on earth. Folks, this is a call to get engaged in prayer, in our worship of God, to see his name glorified, to see his kingdom come. You know, it's, it's not a duty. It's an incredible privilege, isn't it? God's chosen me to be part of his government. It's amazing. Pete Gregg in his book, Dirty Glory, that I mentioned, adds this. This is an unspeakable honor, this invitation 
to come and be involved, to be engaged through prayer. Yet he says, often we are too busy, too busy, or too disbelieving to accept that invitation. The Bible is clear that our opinions and choices really can shape history, that our prayers really do make a difference in the world. Communication in any relationship is key, is key. And love and adoration of God will always show itself in the way we worship, but also in the way we pray. Shows trust and confidence in our God because he has won the victory, hasn't he? We've been singing this morning, it is finished. He has done it. So I'll stand with arms wide in awe of all that you've done. You know, but it's often in our wrestling and in our persistence in prayer that actually reveals, it demonstrates our wholehearted commitment and confidence in our God. You know, there is a lot to be said for wrestling in prayer. There's a mystery as to why God answers prayers instantly and why there's a battle going on, why there's a wrestling. But you know what? It's in the wrestling that we demonstrate our unswerving commitment to Jesus. It's how we grow. You know, we're going to have lots of different ways to engage with prayer as a church. Feedback has been that Sunday evenings are sometimes not very helpful for people. People can't get to them. We want as many people as we can to engage with prayer. Because you know what? The Bible is clear that it's as we gather together as one people, one voice, there is a real power there. There is a real power. I love Acts 4. You know, the, the room shakes when the church is praying. God, may we have prayer meetings like that. But you know what? Prayer meetings should just be the overflow of hearts already on fire, already engaged, connected to what God is doing. And then when we gather together, all we're doing is inspiring one another, spurring one another on. I love it in prayer meetings when my faith gets built through someone else's prayers. When they're praying for something, I'm going, yes, that's right. And you come in on the back of it. This is why we need each other. Corporate prayer meetings are so important and so powerful. We need your voice. I need your voice. So as I said, we're going to have different ways of doing it. We're going to have prayer lunches as well throughout the year where we eat together, fellowship together, and then pray together as a family after the Sunday service. Just opportunities for us to gather and engage in prayer. We don't want anyone sitting out on the sidelines. The beautiful thing is when we engage with God, love Him, heart, soul, mind and strength, that impacts our relationship with each other and it impacts our relationship with the world as well. Because Jesus' call to follow him is nothing less than a call to wholehearted, life-encompassing, community-impacting, full engagement with God. Shall we pray? Jesus, we want to honor you we want to thank you for the sacrifice that you gave. That it's through you, our high priest, that we can engage in God the Father. I thank you that your blood speaks a better word over us than any other claim over our lives.